Okay, we're live. Yay. All right. So Hello. today, Hi. Renee and I are back. We're going to get deeper into the precepts of creativity. So Renee in her book has laid out the 10 precepts of creativity, sort of starting out by defining creativity, what it is, what it is not, what different scholars have have uh, coined it as or, or narrowed it down to, and also some of the religious sources of creativity. So we're gonna dive into that today. Um, so I'm gonna just jump in with this statement that you have from David Bohm. He states that the word education is derived from the Latin root educare, which means to draw forth from within. This suggests interaction on the part of the learner and the reader. Holding this book is not enough. You must participate and interact. Anything you glean will be from you. Any discovery you have will come from something within you. So right. Renee, um, do you want to comment on that before we go further into the book? Yes. And you know, I mean, just now you're going to, I don't know if you call yourself an educator, but you know, once you're an educator, you realize what works and what doesn't. And just pouring knowledge into somebody's brain is not learning. Learning has to be experienced and it has to be a discovery. And so the more you can get your learner, your class to engage and to feel that it's relevant, the more impact you're going to have. So in reading a book, of course, I'm, I'm going to share my findings with you. But I, what I wanted to do in this book was get people to actually grab a pot so there's you know people can't really describe god so many religions find a way to use a metaphor to say what god is like the kabbalah talks about light and kabbalah and that would be jewish mysticism and um you know the old testament jewish religion talked about god being like a rock and um i don't know the bhagavad gita talks about warrior and war and you know the you know like um the war winners and losers or whatever anyway every everybody has a metaphor for god so i thought hey since creativity is like my god i'm going to make up a metaphor as an object lesson so that it can see if it holds up and need a torpedo it held up so i found the 10 precepts that i felt after all my research were really important to discuss and then of course the final precept uh is the why it's the this is not just what creativity what creativity is but why we're creative so at the end of chapter four you discover that and it's life changing so yeah yeah and then you you go on to say you've got your pot i love it um you go on just after that and you talk about plato and plato's forms and these ideal prototypes that we all possess the knowledge of at birth this platonian idea right um yeah and so then from that you conclude that creativity is within all of us. And this okay. is very Jungian too, like in the archetypal type of, um, yeah. you know, psychology where we all just have this well of creativity, like the, the, the caricatures, the, the actual metaphors and, and like psychic impressions of creativity just in us waiting to be expressed and created. Awesome. And those, those ideas um, and thought forms and truths are passed in our, they're passed down to us in what I think Jung called archetypes, right? Mm -hmm. And so we we don't even have to talk about them. They just exist. And they're not just in dreams. They're, you know, when you think of uh, colors and and um, and just roles people play. And so right. all of these things are, are within us. And so as a teacher and as an educator, 
Um, it's all stuff we already know, but sometimes in society we don't pay attention to it. So I get to shine the light on something that you might already know. Voice training is kind of like that. Um, because I teach like this primal way of singing, of using your voice the way a baby uses his or her, their voice. So it's something that we knew already when we had to call our mom from out in the fields. We knew how to use our voice correctly and not wreck it by, you know, calling for our mom in a cry or a whine. So we right. want to return to that. So I think that's fascinating. But so educare means I, I'm, I, we have to draw forth from within this discovery or it's, it's just, you know, ink on a page. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you talk about metaphor as kind of the, the sort of the, I don't want to say watering down of archetypes, but it's sort of like our, our functional way of expressing archetypes. Right. So that's how physicists explain complex theories to non-scientists. It's yeah. how many believers describe their, their God or their faith in God. Right. And you quote, so, right. Yeah. Because we, we have, you know, we are stuck in the five or six senses that we have. And the only way into our, our brain is, are those portals. What do we see? What would you smell? But really, it is so vast. You can't narrow creativity or God, for that matter, into just um, into this physicality. It's, it's so much, obviously, it's in the stars. It's everywhere. So all we can do is give it a little something that a human can understand, you know, that we can touch and and feel and, and see and maybe hear and taste and smell, not, not right. the pot. But that's all we have to understand anything because we're, we're in this human body. So, um, but our, our, our soul feels and learns and discovers and um, we use our five senses to do that. So anyway, uh, the, 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 bleh, the metaphor is the pot mm -hmm. um, and I use this one and it's, it's, it's big and it's blue and that, that is an inside and an outside. And so what I talked about in the beginning is why the metaphor is going to work because we can see what's on the outside. It's fixed. It's firm. It's concrete. This is anything seen. This is anything concrete. So what would that be in the world of creativity? What do you see? Well, you see art, you see um, paintings, you see sculptures, you can see dances, you see costumes and um, films, you know, it's anything seen. And then um, the inside is anything unseen. So this could be dark if there wasn't a light shining in it. It's dark. It's what's on the inside of creativity. And sometimes um, it would be your dreams or your history, family history, your emotions, your fears, um, risk, things that you can't see that creativity, you know, creativity is all about your imagination. Well, you can't see that. So the inside is the abstract. It's right. the unseen abstract and the outside is the concrete scene. So abstract, concrete. Right. That, and that's and it's easy to wrap your head around that when you think of the pot, especially right. if there's dark soil in there. And, and would you say it's also sort of a, a, like the subconscious on the inner and then the, the conscious on right. the outer? Yeah. Right. So, and I, the, I think we talked about this last week. I mean, you just have to pick it when you're trying to write, when you're trying to create a scaffolding or a theory. So I used internal and external because mm -hmm. abstract yeah. and concrete is fun and internal and external is great. <clears throat> Conscious and unconscious is great, but I just felt like internal and external kind of tells it. And um, it's a double metaphor though. So don't freak out. The other metaphor is the micro and the macro, which means the individual and society. 
So sometimes my creativity, like if I write in my journal or something, that is um, for me, and then the external is how it fits into society. So there's an internal and external because I'm a single person in a mass of humanity. And so that is the internal and the external, the individual and society. It's double metaphor. Mm -hmm. I just have to read this before we skate over it because I think it might be my favorite line in the whole chapter. You say, inside the oh, yeah. plot, we have empty space. It is necessary for <laughs> works to occur. If we don't have time to think, time to germinate ideas, space to imagine, then our creativity won't flourish. Because I think, you know how I feel about space because you can't. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, my son is here. So it is what it is. But yeah, so space is the, the sacred inner container that the outer container protects and space is the womb right the womb is that that empty void from which everything springs so this metaphor i can never get enough of i have to keep bringing it up over and over and over <laughs> yeah and and i don't even know if it if it's a, if it's only a metaphor it's not limited to just a metaphor it's real like if, let's right. you know you always bring up flowers right um uh, if you put a flower in a pot without any space for those baby roots to grow, then it's going to wilt. So the space is real. We need space yeah. in a literal way as well. And, Absolutely. At, and in a non-literal way. So we need yeah. space on the abstract and the concrete, on the internal and the external. Totally. It's both. Of course you love that. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Just had to call that out. Um, so yeah, let's dive deeper into the metaphor. Um, so you, you talked about the macro and the micro and the internal and the external. Um, and you talked about also society as the macro um, and the internal being society's inner workings and then right. the external is how creativity is manifested in society as well. Right, because when you take a bunch of um, internal individuals, because that's the inside, internal individuals, how does that manifest? It manifests into the society that we see. Right. So if we have a bunch of um, people on the in, uh, people doing a certain thing, it's going to manifest as a certain society. Right. So that that's the internal and the external, the individual and how it relates to the society. Right. Got it. OK. Yeah. Yeah. And then you talk about um, usefulness. So so usefulness, obviously, is like what what gets creativity to proliferate, especially in society. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's not like the be all end all, but it's also, it's a part of it, right? Yeah, well, there's 10. And one of the definitions that has been floating around for a long time is that it has to be useful. And, uh -huh. um, you know, I just use a really stupid example, like you got to change the light bulb and you don't have a ladder. So in order to change the light bulb, you just stack up some crates and you stand up on that and you just were creative. But what happens when you start having a creativity filter through your brain is when you do grab a ladder, you, you grab it with your head and you go, wow, somebody invented this and I benefit from that. You don't even think it consciously, but when you start running everything through that creativity filter, you just have this a, a, appreciation for every invention that ever made your life easier. So when, when somebody contributes something to society, they had to have the idea first on the individual level. Mm -hmm. And so then they contribute it and it's, if it's useful, then that's deemed creative. Um, and then if you want to talk about the unseen world and how, well, what do you mean useful? Like, 
on the inside of my soul, I guess it would be like if you meditate, you can't see what it's doing to your brain. You can't see what it's doing to your nervous system. You can't see any of those things per se, and it's unseen, but it definitely keeps you from harm. It keeps you, it, it lowers your um, blood pressure so that you don't have a heart attack. I mean, there's, there's seen results. So on the internal, you have a behavior that is creative and it manifests itself on the external. Singing, right. singing, dancing, praying, um, you know, whatever. It's useful to you as an individual if you do a creative act. We could name a million of them. Very useful to you physically, emotionally, and mentally. Yeah, and, and the way you phrase it in the book is that internally it's sort of a therapy, right? It's a therapeutic yeah, use. Yeah, yeah. And then on the external, you talk about the latter. Can you talk a little bit about the latter and explain what you mean by that? Well, just that it's such a stupid invention, but I can't, I can't reach the light bulb. And right. so I, I can't find a ladder. I just moved into my apartment. And so I literally stack up crates. I had to, I had to call upon my, the power of creativity to make my own ladder. Uh -huh. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's really like a classic science experiment. Um, <laughs> yep. monkeys. Noah, shush. He what? wants, he always wants to contribute, so but then you also make the point too, like you're talking here about Guernica by Picasso and what's oh. the usefulness of, of art like that. Like, obviously it has some use, right? Not just to be like highbrow and snobbery, you know, yeah. it's not like the use yeah. is in what you say is that art can function as a warning sign to culture and help shape values mm -hmm. as it depicts the ideologies of the time. And that reminds yeah. me of the Kennedy quote, actually, that, that I sent to you, which I'm going to have to pull yeah. up. Um, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, yeah, it should be right around here. Okay. So when power leads men toward arrogance, poetry reminds him of his limitations. When power narrows the areas of man's concern, Poetry reminds him of the richness and diversity of his existence. When power corrupts, poetry cleanses, for art establishes the basic human truth, which must serve as the touchstone of our judgment. John F. Kennedy. Gosh, how did he, uh, that is just so perfect. The it's touchstone perfect, yeah. of our judgment as a society and as an individual. Yeah. Well, and I always think about um, Picasso because, um, I don't know if you if you study Picasso or you just look at like 20 of his paintings, let's just say there's really not of people do think he kind of has an ugly thing going on. But really, he was not um, painting um, war and hell and gruesome images. That was not his thing. But mm -hmm. he really wanted to make a statement. He really right. wanted. To, it's huge. It's like the whole side of my garage. It's yeah. a huge painting. And so I'm sure he didn't want to spend, you know, however long he spent a year, two years. I don't know on such a huge painting, um, but he really had something to say and it, it probably broke his heart every day. And he intended to break the hearts of everyone about bringing that awareness to them. And it's the job of the artist to be useful like that. But to break our hearts so that we remember that we have them. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, even just beauty, because you, we talk about beauty and, um, in your class, we talked about that. You surround yourself with beauty. So if you're just a person who doesn't paint or anything, but you like to make a really cool coffee table arrangement, mm -hmm. you want to be surrounded with beauty. There's something very creative with that, and it makes you surrounded by something you love, and that's functional for you, so that you are surrounded by that you what you love. 
Right. So it's anyway, anything like that is creative because, you know, so, you know, you can meet people all the time that you have a beautiful house or whatever. And you tell them that you wrote a book or you paint a painting. They go, oh, I'm not creative. You yeah. Just, you just decorated this whole house. You're surrounded in beauty. That's a creative act. Anyway. So anyway, that's useful. Useful. Yeah. And, and so the usefulness can be in in sort of perpetuating values or, you know, like satire, a political tool. Um, or it can be like that actual practical usefulness of like a ladder, right? Yeah. So what do we got so far? We've got usefulness. On the inside and the outside, on the internal and the external. Right. Yeah. And then is that, is that what we've got so far is number one is useful. Yeah. And you said something about satire. And so that's why sometimes useful, the latter is what you comes to your mind because useful, physical, useful, you know, functional house survival. Um, and yet you said something about satire. Who was it? Like Trevor Noah? Who's the, mm -hmm. I, I can't remember. Is it Trevor Noah? Um, or and then there was somebody in um, the East who almost got killed from his satire. Um, yeah, because they're trying to point out through, com you know, through comedy and through right. laughter, the ills of society. That's, that's yeah. quite a calling. Yeah. They're not just funny. Yeah, they're yeah. I think satire is the most, some of the most powerful. I mean, I won't, I won't like listen to politics. I'll listen to satire because I have to have it framed in such a way that reminds mm -hmm. me that this is a complete circus, you know? Right. Who is it? <laughs> like, is, it Bill, is Bill Maher? Would you call him sat satirical? Bill Maher? Yeah, I'd say so. He, he, I think he's kind of literal in some ways, but overall satirical. Um, yeah. Yeah, my, uh, he's been a staple in my household since, you know, I was like, I don't know, 13 mm -hmm. or something. My parents love him. Did um, we talk about South Park? Who, who wrote the Book of Mormon? That's the South Park people. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's satire. That's totally. satire. Totally. Yeah, totally. Okay, yeah. we can move on from function now, but those are, those are all worth, because they're so different, such different right. expressions of something that's supposed to move culture forward, not just because we can have light now through the ladder, but because right. we have internal light. So that's the internal and the external. Yeah, so that's what we have. Number one precept is internal, external. Number two is useful. Number three is novelty. So let's dive into that. Okay, okay, so we're on three. Okay, so yeah. novelty is, is something new. And I think that, um, the best way you can think of why we need why it has to be novel because obviously somebody already invented the wheel right so we can't reinvent the wheel and somebody already invented fire and somebody already already invented the light and all of that so how do we keep being novel if we grow if we you know we're born in 2022 and everything's already been invented well we get to retell an old story in a new way which is what we do with our film you know with with movies and plays um, and that's my example of novelty because, uh, of course, I want to argue with everything, every expert that says it has to be novel. I want to say, no, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't have to be novel. It doesn't have to be anything. And, but it, anything that has been done before, which, you know, it's all been said and done before. It's, I think, Ecclesiastes that says that, right? It's nothing new like, under the sun, right? Thank you very much. Nothing new under the sun. But when it's novel to us and, and we discover it, or um, we watch a new a movie that's already remade three times, A Star is Born. I think, you know, it's time to retire some of these stories. But um, the earliest form of creativity, according to thespians, which is hilarious to me because dancers 
will tell you what the earliest form of you know artistic expression was. They'll tell you it was the dance. Mm -hmm. um, musicians will tell you it was the drum. But thespians will tell you that the earliest form of creative expression was gathering around the fire at night and passing on, yeah, passing on their knowledge and their stories and their narratives and their myth and all of that. And right. so I do, I think that's funny that, it, and it has, they can prove it. They all, you know, right. academically, scholarly prove why it's the first one. But, you know, a, a singer will also tell you that <laughs> it's the voice, it's the singing. Of course. But then, but then also there's, you know, what about like making spheres? Of course, that was a practical, very like, you know, we've got to go kill woolly mammoths or whatever, but that, that has yep. creativity, you know, intrinsic in it as well. And the evolution of tools and all, you know, so there's, it's everything we do is creative. There's no, we can't, we, the, the origin point is the big bang. At what yeah. point, you know, there was no, like before that, there was nothing. Or anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, we will always end up with that. Even mid podcast is that it, it, it's, what is it? Uh, the girl, my, my friend, Carrie, she read it and she said the isness. She taught me that word isness, and I, I was like, it's true. It's, it's, it's once you start seeing it through the everything through your filter too. It's it's overwhelming. So anyway, okay. So anyway, what what was that novel? So yeah. so before sorry, just to, no. I want to tell the story that you you put in here that anthropologists concur that a woman created the first pot out of necessity since animal skins must have leaked, and that ex excavations of hundreds of pots and urns have become a symbol for motherhood and creativity. So, even in that example, right, is huh? not only is the pot so, you know, deeply meaningful for, for all these reasons, right, but, um, but it's also one of these, like, the necessity of bringing water, sating the thirst, you know, there's just so much there. So I just had to read that part. But now let's, let's go ahead and dive okay. into the novel. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, that's novel. So on the internal, something new to me would be um, something new, like I made up a song. I, and maybe I, I copied somebody from 100 years ago. Who knows, right? Because things circulate. Um, and like uh, Gilbert, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about those ideas that just fly in. So ideas can circulate. I can grab one and I can think, oh, this is novel to me. It doesn't matter if it's been done before, because it's still novel to me. And I still get to connect deeply with whatever it is I wrote, the song that I wrote. And it will function as a useful tool in my life. So it's novel and then it functions as useful, both on the internal and the external. So it's like the house that Jack built, right? And then on the external, um, if something is novel and, and new to the external culture, uh, we'll look at technology. Yeah. So everybody kind of flocks to it and it beco it becomes us. The newest technology will become us. Yeah. So it, the, anything novel is creative and in society it's going to manifest on the external and the internal is how it changes us. So how have we changed since we started texting, uh, I don't love you anymore, I break up with you. As a society, you can just text that note now. Mm -hmm. right. yeah, break up with someone. So how have we changed on the inside as a society because of the external discovery of technology that is too broad we're not going to answer that right now but it does it it uh, explain it kind of displays those uh things in society that are internal external individual and how it manifests into a society yeah Absolutely. And I'll just leave with this quote, expressing our humanity through story is ancient, but we find novel ways of expressing in order to bring more relevance. 
Storytelling itself is not novel, but we as a culture strive to tell stories in new ways, in new mediums, serving both the micro and the macro. Right on. And I hate to, I hate to admit it out loud to you, but how many movies a week do I watch? I, I never watched TV, but mm -hmm. I will sit there on Netflix and HBO and I will find a movie and get so lost in story. And I can't feel guilty about it because it's so well done now. No. And the, the production values are amazing and it, it, you just get so sucked in. So I'm... I, but it's not even that. I mean, it is the substrata of the psyche. It is, that is our, our archetypal food these days. Where else are we going to get it? We don't have myth. We don't have shamans. We, you know, that's where it comes from. And so, you know, I'm, I do the same thing. Like I, you know, I look for movies. Like I watched Coach Carter with Samuel L. Jackson recently. And I, and Who's Samuel as an aside, an aside, it was really low production value for like what I remember that era being. I think it's only made in 2005, but anyway, the story, you know, the finding stories like that, like these like uh, black representation stories or, you know, stories about the underdog right. or whatever. This is, a, this can be a source of inspiration that's real, that actually bolsters us and buoys us and moves us forward, you know? Yeah. So I, I really don't believe that it's like this, you know, it depends on the motive, it's right? Not, it's like, not, it's, yeah. It's not a waste of time. It's a good filler of space and time. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's always the hero's journey too. Um, exactly. It can't not be, it can't not be. So, I mean, I just, you know, I want to, I want to like, let us have compassion for ourselves that if we're, if we're not just trying to escape the world and, you know, watching TV 24 hours a day, we're, we're feeding our psyche, you know, it's just true. like the artists, the artist states, it's just a, a, for the psyche rather than, you know, whatever. Right. So, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> The next one, so we're on number four now, right, is transformative. Transformative. And it's just, see how it goes in, in a sequence, because sometimes that hero's journey transforms us. It changes us just by learning. Like I, my friend Andrea, who you know, um, she was going to major in, I don't remember, let's say science or something. And then she went and she saw a play and she decided uh, after that watching the play that she was going to change her major to theater and she did so it's just transformative sometimes and i saw a play i saw the vagina model the vagina monologues when i was i don't know 38 maybe and it changed the course of my life so it is literally sorry i said the wrong word with the no it's perfectly fine Anyway, it was transformative. So just as Picasso's, you know, 20 by 20 painting or whatever, 30 by 20 painting was transformative for him individually and for society to reflect what was going on in the world with the war and the ugliness of it and the mothers that lost their children and just to like face off with the kind of um, species that we were being at the time and still are. Um, that is transformative. And hopefully, you know, the Bill Mars and um, these people who are doing satire and, and even other things other than um, the art, what else is transformative? Any, dis you know, the printing press, yeah. um, the discovery of penicillin. Well, you even phrase it and you say creativity is at the center of our personal quest for change. 
We change our eating habits, our job situations, our place of residence, our friendships, our philosophies, our routines. So all like these identity formations and even getting healthy and, and changing our diet and starting a new exercise regimen. And, you know, these are all What's creative acts. No, you need to be quiet. This boy is going to be getting the privilege of taking away after this podcast. Um, anyway, so you're, you're talking about like some of the most mundane drives or, or actions that we go through that come from the creative drive. That that's are, that, right. They're all that's what, that. And that's what I have to remember when I'm going scrolling down, you know, Instagram and everybody's showing off their body. It just feels like so superficial, but really when you run it through the creativity lens, it's not so superficial. It's actually very transformative to even think that we can physically, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that is beautiful what you just said. When you, because almost every time, and maybe every time, 99.9%, .9 when you run it through the, the lens of creativity, it passes the test. And that to me is like the ultimate compassion. It's, yeah. It's, no matter what it is, it's creative. And that's why I say you can take a shit and that's creative. Because you always love it. Yeah. It comes back to this is creativity yeah. is the yeah. ultimate love. It's the ultimate mother nurturing the, whatever you draw, your mom's going to love it. She's going to hang it on the fridge, you know? And that's hey, how I love that. Interacts with us. Ooh, come on. <laughs> um, so as far as transformative, if we want to break it down internal and external, then the transform for transformative power of creativity is alive in me in an in individual fashion, as in, um, aside from taking a shit, um, if my boyfriend breaks up with me and I write a song and it helps me to heal and it makes me feel better. And then I put it out at the coffee shop and it, you know, it speaks to those 40 or 50 people that are there. It speaks to them and it's going to help them heal when their hearts get broken. Right? Yeah. So on the internal, it speaks to me. I connect to my deeper self. I work through my breakup, my pain through a creative yeah. act. And then it is then goes to the society and it impacts the society in that well. So on the inside right. and on the outside, internal, external, um, and, and transforms not only me, but my society as well. Right. So it's catharsis on the in on, on the inner Perfect and word. and then you know we're able to transform our interior landscape, even digesting difficult emotions, you know, moving through grief, whatever. And then mm -hmm. on the macro level, yeah. How like how is it it it's 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 becoming a part of the cultural narrative, it's becoming mm -hmm. part of our archetypal um wellspring, right? And wow. yeah. so adding to the kind of the, what's the, like the creative material that society has available to it. Yeah. The milieu. Yeah. If you like it. <laughs> um, and it, and it, it, every, you could say just, we could just pick one of these components <clears throat> and talk about it and include all, all nine or 10 because they're all deeply connected. So I can't say transformative without having said the word novel, without having said the word useful, without having said the internal and external. Mm -hmm. They're not interchangeable, but they're they're made of the same stuff. They're just you, you know they're just different sided. You're right. Just looking at the different sides of it. Um, so, but we can be done with transformative because okay, I, let me let me end it with this quote. I, I love your quotes. Your your writing is beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. It is. We need creativity to transport us to the hidden realm, the abstract, the unseen, in order to transcend and find permanence in the moment, which is eternal. Okay. Done with that one. 
<laughs> and that and that's running it through the running it through the the lens of creativity, especially in the hustle and bustle and running around and you know you just take a moment and you go, wow, I just touched down with something super creative and I didn't realize it, which mm-hmm. connects me with everyone who's ever been creative since the beginning of time, right? It connects me with my deeper self. It's just that mindfulness, I guess what what um, the you Buddhists call it. It's it's mindfulness, but it makes you mindful of what you're doing, why you're doing it, where you're going and where we've been, yeah. I think. So. Yeah, it does. Well, because because it's transient, it's both transient and eternal. So when we're able to give ourselves completely to to it, we we are ex- we're interfacing with the eternal rather than the transient, you know, and it's William Blake that said, what is that four line poem? Eternity in a grain of sand is how it ends like you it's you can see eternity in just that tiny little speck of of sand um and it's exactly what you said but there's three words here that we're talking about transformative mm-hmm. transportive and trans what's the other one i want to say transmute i can't even remember what word it oh, is well number five is transportive so okay, we haven't gotten there yet okay we haven't gotten um, there okay sustaining oh, maybe is that the next one no it's transportive because okay. It, it takes creativity for me then. Transcendent. To, Sorry. I don't think it's in there. I don't think I use transcendent. But what what I was trying not to say was transportive. So we're talking about transformative. Creativity is yeah. transformative, and we want to let that. Cathartic. Yeah. Let's and have so, something. Yeah. Um, let's move on to five, and then I think we should end, and we'll do the re- the remaining. Okay, next time. Four. Okay. <laughs> I can't count. Five, the remaining five after that but before we do before we we dive into transportive you you use this word autotelic which i think everyone should write down learn this word when we approach a task as autotelic meaning the doing of the thing is an end in itself so autotelic Mm -hmm. means the doing of the thing is an end in itself then we enjoy intrinsic rewards essentially we find happiness within ourselves and not in in controlling outside forces which Mm -hmm. brings fulfillment Physically, mm-hmm. this is flow state, characterized by the shift from beta to alpha waves, which are responsible for more relaxed meditative states of mind. Ironically, the shift in brain waves enhances creativity. Okay. Then thank you, you can... Mahaley Chicksent Mahaley, right? Yeah. Once again, yeah. Mahaley Chicksent. Totally. It is. And yeah. and there's one, there's something called automatic, which everybody knows what automatic means. And the the distinct difference between autotelic and automatic, I think is obvious. When you're on automatic, you're um there isn't that depth to it and that not necessarily deep awareness. Because when you're in flow, you lose track of time. You don't realize how much time is going. Like you're really in a whole different state. Mm-hmm. But autotelic means you're not after some you know result in the end. So my mom, I've always told you this, is a perfect example of somebody who just, she just constantly made stuff. You know, she was from that age when women didn't sit down. She was always crocheting or painting or cooking or sculpting or so, you know, she was always doing something. She, and she, it brought her, she must have lived most of her life in bliss. Yeah. She must have been in bliss all the, all the time. That's, she, and I didn't even realize it until she got this old and yeah. she stopped and she stopped. Now I'm like, where's my mom? Like just three months ago before this last bout with pneumonia, my mom was making the new baby a quilt at, you know, 79 years old, shuffling in her, in her Uggs and sewing with her little, you know, rickety hands. She never yeah. stopped. 
and I didn't realize it. So I had a student today sharing with me the frustrations that you feel, and it, it didn't have to do with singing. It just had to do with doing life. Mm -hmm. Life is hard to do sometimes. And in my heart, I'm not a therapist, but I thought, what is it that brings you that bliss and that joy and what creative outlet do you have so that you can offset this doing of life with being in your own skin and in your creativity? Yeah. yeah. I couldn't say it though. I, I didn't want to, I just wanted to listen, but I'm saying it now. So anyway, um, bring me back. Where were okay. We? Well, what you're saying, it makes me want to go, you know, I was thinking today, I was thinking about this because I'm, you know, I have, I'm having similar things around me, you know, I'm thinking of, I was, my mom braided my hair today. I can't braid my own hair. I can't do a French braid. Never have. But you can braid sweet grass. What? <laughs> but you can braid sweet grass. I could braid, maybe I can braid sweet grass. I don't know. But the, what I was thinking was the, the disintegration of the, not mm -hmm. just matrilineal, but all passed down habits you know, learning how to sew. My mom's grandma used to make this, you know, famous potato soup that no one knows the recipe to, you know, that she, she could have made a quilt, she, you know, these things that we don't know how to do and how disempowered we are to feed our own psyche because we lack these, you know, small little crafty things we can do with our hands. Um, I think on a, yeah. on a psychological level, not being able to do those things disempowers us so that when we do need that creative you know, well to be filled, we go and we watch TV, which is consuming someone else's. Uh -huh. You nailed it. You so nailed it. And while we may be enriched, it's not the same. It's not the same as that feeling you get when you, you know, wrote a poem or made a cute little thing. What is it you make the, the, the essential oils or, you know, you just right. work with, your, work with your senses and, you know. Yeah. And I, I don't yeah. have the skills. That's why I make stuff that little kids can make you know, ultimately, like it's, right, it's just about it, getting my hands dirty, you know, I think how useful that is. And you're also experiencing that autotelic flow for sure. So Absolutely. It is useful because it's doing things to your internal realm exactly. that we can't yeah. see and it's bringing you joy and all that. Yeah. But if, if I could, if I could wave my magic wand or if I had a daughter or whatever, she would know how to sew and she, you know, because it's empowering, she would know how to weave. She would, these arts that, that are part of the archetypal web, yeah. right? Like yeah. how, how archetypal is, is knowing how to weave. Like we've got a Radney, we've got the Greeks, we, you know, there's so much there. So, Oh, and, you should have been Sharon's daughter. She had a, a loom. Mm -hmm. My mom had six foot loom in the living room. She was crazy. I'm telling you, I forgot all about the loom. You should have been her daughter because I literally wrote down in a book somewhere that my mom taught me all these skills that are unnecessary for my generation. I don't care about canning peaches, right? right. I don't care about sewing uh, napkins and table runners. I literally wrote that down and it was not, I wasn't like 20. I was probably 35. I take it back. I take yeah. it back because it is part of our archetypal, um, what do you call it? Um, Substrata, I don't know, the web of the, I don't know, the yeah. archetypal. Yes. Yeah. As, as, as women and as a village and all that yeah. interconnectedness. Yeah. Totally, yeah, and that's that's why I think that generation from the 50s onward that like as convenience was coming into play and becoming prioritized, it was actually stealing away those little moments of creative. Yeah thought and you yeah. know the moment where you decide you're gonna buy a tv dinner or the moment you decide that you're gonna you know just buy cans of peaches from the store or whatever you know yeah 
Well, I'm glad it's coming back, this whole let's learn how to sew and let's crochet, because it's not necessarily what you're saying is it's not about that productivity. It's about the autotelic moment where you're doing something that you enjoy just to enjoy it. And it might turn out shitty and it might turn yeah. out useful, but it doesn't matter because it's useful to your soul. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it may become useful again as as we have the breakdown of like supply chains and things and we're going to start having to be more sustainable and whatever. So you, yeah. and we may come back full circle and get that unexpected gift from you know major changes in society but we're getting so far afield even though i love it okay um, okay so no, actually it was all reinforcing it was yeah. all reinforcing yeah. all of that okay we've done the first five we can yeah. now be done okay so good so luck I'm just gonna, I'm gonna end it with a quote because i have to and this is just right. my training today the force of creativity drives us to take ideas from our minds and explore or express them externally Creativity urges us to interact with our inner world, our unconscious, and in a sense is what transports the material from the interior realm to the exterior exterior realm, which is the same thing that JFK was saying. You know, it's mm -hmm. in a sense, it's like a reverse psychopomp. Like the psychopomp is the the figure who takes mm -hmm. the souls, you know, from the living to the underworld and helps them cross uh -huh. the sticks, uh -huh. right? And so creativity is like, brings the brings the material of the soul and of the sacred and of of god out into right. the manifestation yeah. right yeah. yeah so it and it's therefore it takes creativity to transport the creativity to the world mm -hmm. so it takes creativity to bring it from within to just myself and then it takes creativity to then transmute that to the world mm -hmm. we'll we'll get there okay we will that this is so fun. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, oh, yeah. And meditating, I guess, should we save it for next time? We're so far over. Let's say I don't it. know what time it is. Yeah, I can't. It. Say, is it? Okay, but I was teasing you anyway. I was like, good luck meditating with Noah. Yeah, well, he ran downstairs, <laughs> but he's occasionally yelling at me. So okay. all right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank I'll you. see you next time. Bye. I'm sorry we went over. No, Bye. it's totally fine. <laughs> Bye. Bye.